Welcome to Self Love Ignited. My name is Katie Allen. I'm a certified health and life coach, and we are here to talk all things self love, self acceptance, body image, health, and total well being. You are going to hear from me, plus, you'll hear the stories of other women who have transformed this already. They have walked this path and they have really learned how to love and embrace all parts of themselves. We are here to help you be inspired, motivated, and to help you really transform your relationship with yourself to be a loving and positive force each and every day. This is so important so that you can really reach your big dreams, feel at home in your skin, be healthy on your terms, and live a big life. What are you waiting for? Let's get to it. Today on Self Love Ignited, I am talking with Angela Sessions. Angela has over 20 years experience in the healing arts covering creative therapy, energy healing, and shamanism. Her mission is to help others experience beauty and love in this life. Angela has been so kind to come on and share her story of living with physical disability, of learning to love and accept her body just as it is, and of shedding all of the expectations and ideals that society places on her and all of us. What are you waiting for? Dive on in. Um, Angela, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here finally. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, I know you and I have been going back and forth for a little while, trying to find a time to do this. Um, and I'm just so grateful that we finally made it happen. Yes, we defeated the time zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Australia to the UK is not exactly the easiest, yeah. um, the easiest to manage. No. Yeah. Um, so today, you know, we are talking all about self-love, body image, self-acceptance, and everything sort of surrounding that. Um, so yeah. I suppose the easiest place to start really was, you know, just like tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, who you are, what you are, what you do, and then we'll sort of go from there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, my uh, job, if you like, and it, it's really hard to describe these kind of spiritual healy type jobs isn't it when someone asks me what's your job description and you're like uh <laughs> I help people that's the best way to put it I help people um yeah so I got into kind of um meditation and reiki in the 90s when I was 19 and uh, I just got into it as a hobby never dreamed that it would become my career because I was actually at university training to be a drama therapist and uh, and then I realized that like the arts therapies was really well with all the spiritual stuff as too. So I ended up just starting my own business um, and uh, I did like freelance work for different charities for people uh, with physical and mental disabilities. Um, and uh, yeah, just teaching Reiki, shamanic healing, that kind of thing. So obviously I've worked with a lot of very unique people, uh, people with lots of um, uh, different body shapes, different medical issues, and uh, obviously myself, I've got my own health problems too. So um, for me, this is like a, a, 
I suppose I hate the word normal, but it's the norm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to be surrounded by all these unique people. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. And have you always lived in the UK? I have. Yes. Um, I'm from near Manchester, which most people have heard of because of Manchester United Football Club. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I moved to uh, the Midlands uh, about 18 years ago. And uh, I love it here. So I'm quite happy to stay here. Nice. But my roots are in the north. You never forget <laughs> where you come from, do you? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about your story. Of course, I know sort of a few little bits and pieces, but yeah. you know, this podcast is, like I said, we're all about self-love and telling the stories of women oh. like you who have really yeah. come from a place of like not liking parts of themselves or not liking parts yeah. of their bodies um so yeah. why don't we just start at the beginning um tell us yeah. a little about your challenges you know that it that you faced when it came to your relationship with yourself or your body like how did that all begin for you yeah yeah so um at the age of four I was diagnosed with scoliosis which is curvature of the spine and that was picked up by a school nurse do it just doing like the routine health checks and um, so at age four, I was put in what was called a Milwaukee brace, which looks very bizarre. It's like a cast around the hips and then uh, metal bars that come up um, where you have like a metal ring around your neck. And um, I actually remember, well, I don't remember it, but I remember being told by my mum that um, the day that I was going into school for the first time wearing this brace, um, they held a special assembly and said, when Angela comes back to school, she's going to look different. You know, just to prepare all the students to not be asking me loads of questions and things like that. So yeah, so from Forest, I, I suppose I stood out and I looked a bit different because I was wearing, wearing this brace. Now, the idea of the brace was to try and stop the curve from growing. But by the time I was nine, the curve had got really bad. Um, I had a double curve. And uh, I started my surgeries at that point. Um, so that's like having steel rods put in your back. Um, now, unfortunately for me, it was just a catastrophe. I can't even say that word. Catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> because the, uh, the first rod came undone and I had a second rod put in and that got infected. Um, and I was actually extremely poorly uh, with that. And... Uh, so by that time, I think I was about 12 or 13. I'm not one of these people who remembers every single detail <laughs> because I don't need, I don't need to, you know what I mean? I can just generalize it. Yeah. Um, I was there. I know what happened. Um, and uh, I just remember. So this was probably one of the first times that I felt a kind of, you know what I describe it as a dagger in the heart. Mm. Yeah? yeah. The first time I really thought, um, I'm going to be stuck like this now like I'm not going to get better I'm not going to look any different because what had got me through the surgeries at that point and back in the 80s those scoliosis surgeries were hard man you know what I mean like now people are out of hospital within a week like I wasn't even allowed to sit up for six months you know it was so so strict like oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to sit up six months I wasn't allowed to get out of bed for two months I had to lie on my back so it was really ugh, hardcore surgery 
And what got me through it was just thinking, well, I'm going to be straight at the end of it. You know, I'm going to be straight. It's going to be worth it. So to wake up and be told, well, actually, we took your rod out because it was all infected. All your back was infected. So we've just, we've just fused you. And it was like, you what? Because, yeah, they did that to like literally save my life. But at the end of the day, it's this kind of knowing that that's it. You know, like I'm stuck in this body. It's never going to change. And that's a huge thing to take on at the age of 12 or 13. Yeah. And to be honest, I never had any kind of, like, if that happened to you now, you'd have loads of, count, you know, you'd be offered counselling and things. But like I said, we're going back to like early 90s or late 80s. Uh, those kind of things just weren't readily offered. Um, I think probably one of the things that got me through that time was my family because my family never um, treated me like this kind of fragile things you know what I mean it was like well you just join in with everybody else and you just you just get on with life and in fact um the term disability was never even used around me until I was about 16 um so you know I was never described as disabled or anything like that um there was a similar at the similar time of having this this surgery and having spinal fusion I also found out that I had this neurological condition called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. And that was a bit of a hallelujah moment because nobody could understand why my scoliosis, scoliosis was so bad. You know, it, it, my top curve is almost 90 degrees and the bracing should have, should have helped and it didn't. But, you know, if you understand that the other muscles in your body are weak and can't support you as you grow, it makes sense that you could get the severe um, scoliosis. So I had a bit of a double whammy there because I'm being told, right, you've got this muscle wasting disease, not sure if you can have children, um, you know, oh, you know, in a few years, you're walking, could get really difficult. And I'm stuck in this body that I don't really like. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wowzers. That's a lot. <laughs> At that, at that puberty age of 13, it's like, yeah. And I'll be honest, I acted out a little bit, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I got into a little bit of trouble and things like that, hanging out with my friends and um, yeah. But it all come back together, you know, I got back on, got back on track. But uh, going through high school was really, I think probably really difficult for me because... I have this really bubbly personality and the problem with having bubbly personalities is it can hide a lot of what is going on underneath, yeah. you know? It's like put that smile on your face and things and things like that. Um, I didn't have, um, you know, I have amazing friends. I'm, I'm still friends with the people that I was friends with at four years old. So, you know, they totally understand me. They've seen everything I've been through. So I've got an amazing supportive family and friends, but you know, underneath it all, you have got this mental processing, this emotional stuff going on that you're not really dealing with. And uh, I did get bullied. I don't remember getting bullied um, much under the age of 12. But then once I'd had finished, like, well, almost finished my surgeries, I do remember people commenting you know, when I was out with my friends and things like that, which was really upsetting because I have a, a rib hump. And, you know, if someone to just, 
I'll tell you one thing that happened and I just find this so disgusting. I just walked to the shop and someone just shouted out the car window at me as they drove past me. I was like, did that really happen? You know when you're like, did that, did that really happen? Yeah. I'm, I'm just like in shock. And, uh, you know, you, you're trying to deal with your own stuff. The world is harsh enough place as it is. And, and some idiot drives past you and shouts a word out the car window at you. You're like, what? So, yeah, so difficult. And then um, just to sum it up, when I was uh, almost 16, they did offer me more surgery. And they said, well, this is just purely cosmetic, just to make your back look nicer. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I love it. Anything, you know. Yeah. And but the problem with that was then I had unrealistic expectations of what the surgery was going to do because I thought I was going to wake up and my back was going to be much flatter and, and just look nicer. And uh, when I woke up, it was like, oh, I don't actually look that much different so again that was like another huge blow because that was it then I knew there was nothing else that they could offer to me um so yeah so I'm there at 16 thinking I don't pretty much I really don't like my body very much right now um and I tell you the other things that used to go through my mind and this is totally the kind of thing that goes through your mind at 16 am I ever going to get a boyfriend (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who, who's gonna who's gonna marry me who's gonna love me um am I gonna have am I gonna have children am I gonna be able to have children and these kind of you know all these kind of questions are going are going through my head now luckily I was always really focused on study um I did miss about I must have missed about two years of school you know going through all my surgeries and I caught up and went to like college went to university and um I think one of the things that really helped me uh, with my um, body image and confidence was drama. Because when I went to college, I did uh, an A-level in drama because it's something that I'd always been good at. And I think, you know, putting yourself out there on stage in front of a couple of hundred people, let's say, there's no hiding. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're under the spotlight. (laughs) Everyone see you. And as well, I had little, um, I had little techniques and coping mechanisms that used to make me feel more confident. So, for example, I always had long hair um, because I thought, like, having long hair, and I do have long hair now. Having long hair covers up your scars and it covers up the disfigurement that you feel ashamed or embarrassed about, you know, or self-conscious about. But at that age, I actually had my hair cut quite short. I had it cut about shoulder level. Mm-hmm. Again, I was a bit like, oh my God, like I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, it isn't about my hair cut to shoulder level, but I'm like, I'm naked. I don't like this. Everyone can see. But I was getting out there on that stage and just going, you know, just going for it really. But I won't lie, like at 16, that for me was like what you called that night of the soul. You know, it was like, God, this is it. I've got to, I've got to come to terms with this now. I can either get really depressed about it, or just, just get on. You know, just get on with life, really. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and that was it, really. Yes. And then, obviously, seventeen, eighteen, I started going out, and um, yeah, dating became the thing. You know, a thing then. 
Um, but I think, you know, I think that's one of the things like people are a little embarrassed to touch on, like when it comes to like body image, stuff, like the dating thing and stuff. And it's like, we need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because your, your perception of yourself will actually affect all your relationships and who you date, you yeah. know? If you don't feel worth it, you're not going to attract somebody who will treat you like you are worth, you know, the world to yeah. them, you yeah. know. So, um, so that's like something that that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so here I am. I'm almost forty three. I, I did have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really hard really really hard work and I mean yeah having a baby that's another thing that affects your body image massively I mean for me when I was pregnant that was actually the most feminine that I've ever felt because um, having scoliosis you tend to have quite a short torso um, so you don't have like the curves you don't have like that nice waist and things like that and obviously when you're pregnant you don't have a waist anyway right. <laughs> <laughs> um so it was so for me having that like belly it was like oh my god like I just look like everybody else now the fact that I don't have a waist <laughs> I've this lovely curvy belly I mean I know that's just like, like most people are like you what you were happy you didn't have a waist <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's like I've not got one love anyway so it don't matter um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, and, and after I had my baby, again, parts of my body that I did like were gone. So I'm like, oh my God, I've got to go through this all over again. <laughs> I've got to go through this all over again now, learning to love my, my um, disabled post-baby body now <laughs> as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, was, I was told at 21, that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40, which I can safely say I am not. Um, yeah, I'm not even anywhere close to, excuse me, to being in a wheelchair. Because again, being told those kind of things, it affects your self-confidence, it affects your view of your body. It's like, I don't want anybody to see their body as being broken. You hear people using words like that all the time. My mind is broken. My body is broken. You know, um, for me, one of the things I try and get across with my um, shamanism and stuff is that words are like spells, you know, words are magic. And the words that we use about ourselves will determine um, our energy and, you know, our health and everything. Yeah. So I've never, I've never said I'm broken. And and also, if you say you're broken, that's like putting across that somebody, some that you need to be fixed, yeah. that somebody needs to fix you. So I think um, if I can just say this, kids, one of the things I spoke to you about was that lady approaching me on the street mm-hmm. that time in Glastonbury and saying about how I needed to go and see this acupuncture. Uh, acupuncturist and he'd fix me (laughs) and um, yeah just random uh, well-meaning lady coming over to me you look young to have a walking stick what's the matter with you (laughs) and again those kind of words what's the matter with you you know what's there's nothing the matter with me what's the matter with you (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh, and and 
and I say this, you know, I'm guilty of saying this one. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Or there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not so black and white. It's not wrong or right. Um, it's not fixed and broken. We're just somewhere in between. Everybody is somewhere in between. Right. Yeah. So this lady, you know, this 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 guy will fix you and again one of those kind of uh moments where you're just in a bit of shock and you don't really know how to respond and uh and i just said to her it, it's fine i don't think he can fix me um it's yeah it's oh yeah a bit of yoga yeah that's not gonna fix me. <laughs> you know, trying to explain to people that like literally probably a third to half of your spine is completely fused so you know if it's fused it's not going to change shape it, it is as it is um but yeah yeah and i think it, it's when you have like a, a physical disability or a disfigurement it's actually quite good to have some ideas of how you might respond to people in advance because you know it could happen that someone actually um says something majority of the time it, it, there's no malice at all they're trying mm -hmm. to be well-meaning but if you you know it can sometimes knock you for six that someone's actually said these things to you so i think it's good to having you you know like just have in the back of your mind some of the things that you might uh respond with and, and now being the age that i am i'm so much older and wiser have a better vocabulary so i can deal with it with these kind of experiences much better now yeah 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 i love i think this conversation is so important because so often the body image conversation is really focused on women in larger bodies and feeling yeah. comfortable in them and i mean to be fair that's that's my story right like that's my point of view and that's yeah. a that's totally a valid point of view but it's not the only mm -hmm. one and i think definitely i think you know people forget that every person on this planet is in their own body and every single body is different mm -hmm. and yeah you know people of all shapes and sizes of all levels of ability mm -hmm. have body image challenges and yes. we all have our own insecurities and um, you know, I'm guilty when I was younger, really before I started this work on myself, I remember uh, one of my really good friends, she was, you know, blonde and athletic. And she was just one of those, you know, one of those like, quote unquote, like perfect bodies. And yes. in my head, I always just assumed that she was just confident and happy and mm -hmm. like had no problems and i remember talking to her one day and she just said you know i stand in front of the mirror and i pick up my body and i see all these things yeah. that are wrong and I, I i don't know how old i was i was a teenager but i just remember going oh oh it's not it's yeah. not me you know like everybody has these issues and i'm so happy that you're here so that we can get sort of this point of view mm. right yeah because yeah yeah, and another thing I just want to point out as well is mm -hmm. sometimes I had, sometimes I would get angry. Like I'm way past that now. Um, but sometimes I would get angry because I'd look at people who to me had perfect bodies complaining about the body. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it used to trigger me because for someone who has a perfectly healthy body, 
let's say I, I didn't really care about the size whether it was size eight whether it was size 16 it didn't matter to me but you know when they'd say oh I can't get in this dress and on this kind of thing and I think you know well yeah but look at you you're straight you know you're straight you're symmetrical you've got a waist you you know you can walk well you can touch your toes <laughs> yep. you know and I, I kind of like be thinking from that point of view so I think um if you are someone with with uh, health problems or physical disfigurement you it's very easy to be triggered by other people um you know comparing themselves to you or I mean one thing that's always um, made me laugh is like when people would say they were envious of me and I'd be like you're what now <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean I'd be like you're what well you're so slim and I'd be like okay but like number one I'm slim because I've been told to stay slim because it's better for my health condition number two I'm slim because my muscles have wasted away <laughs> so don't be thinking that like this is natural because yeah part of my muscles have gone right. um, and nobody wants to be skinny because they've got muscle atrophy you know because it means like the, the the strength is not there yeah and number three I would rather be of a larger size and be healthy no dice about it you know what I mean? I like, I'd, I'd always, always choose a healthy body, yeah. no matter what it looked like. So, um, so yeah, it's like you said, it is weird, like how people perceive others and, um, yeah, yeah. So there you go. I think probably for me, one of the things that people, um, like and say inspires them is my confidence, you know? Um, but the thing is, I wouldn't be, I certainly wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't have these issues, you know, if I didn't have, if I hadn't grown up going in and out of hospital and going through some really, you know, traumatic times with, with physical, you know, physical stuff, surgery, emotional stuff, um, being bullied, missed school. Yeah, I just, I wouldn't have the strength of character that I've got now. So I always come back to what you know what truly matters is your character yeah. not the vessel that is carrying it a hundred percent i agree with you yeah. I, I i always love to say you know i am i am a human being and i live inside my body but i am yeah. not my body like yeah and i think it's true for every single one of us like our bodies are simply our homes while we're you know regardless yeah. of, we all have our own beliefs but like while we're here on this planet our bodies are just where we live they're they, totally yeah yeah, yeah. and, and they, they don't and have to define us at all i love that Roald Dahl piece in i think it's the twits book where he talks about people who are kind and says that people who are kind will always be beautiful yeah. <laughs> you know because it, it, the kindness comes out of your face you know when you smile you like excuse me i'm losing both <laughs> i've got throat issues now as well um yeah when you smile you just light up the room and, and everybody is attracted to that, to that glow, to that kindness. Yeah. And uh, that is often overlooked now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so there I, you go. I would love to hear from, like you've touched on it a little bit, but I would just love to hear, you know, cause you, you said like you've had your, like your scoliosis and everything like right from when you were little. 
right? So this mm. is something you've had your entire life. You've sort of, yeah. you hit puberty with it. You have to go through <laughs> your teenage years and, um, you know, like yeah. come to terms with it. And, and for a while there, I know you said you were in like a very dark place with your body and really mm. like mm. hating it. And now here you are, what you said, you're 43, I think you said. Yeah. And nearly, you, part, nearly 43. <laughs> I've nearly. got a few more weeks left of 42. Okay, 42, 42. Um, <laughs> but you have just such like a beautiful, positive outlook. Like you said, like the energy and the outlook, like that's what matters. How, yeah. Yeah. Like, like what did you do through your life? Like how did you create such a positive outlook? Because I, I know that there's people listening to this who are feeling <laughs> really shit about their bodies you know for for whatever reason and they're probably missing that outlook so like what's sort of been helpful for you well um there's a few things I think number one gratitude so focusing on what you can do and what you have so focusing on the beautiful parts you know what you perceive forget everybody else what you perceive as beautiful parts of your body you know like looking at those and and nurturing those every day obviously you need to nurture the bits that you don't think are beautiful but to shift your focus because if you look in a mirror i i'm i've done this so like you look in a mirror and you keep staring at the bits that you don't like it's like they explode in your vision you know what i mean so it's like take your focus away from those parts um so i think i've got a nice face so i'm gonna I, I have one full-length mirror in my whole house and I rarely use it because I don't want to look at my whole body in the mirror. <laughs> I don't need to. I know my clothes fit and they look fine. I'd rather look at my face in the mirror. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do you see what I mean? And, and, and I, I spend like a time doing my makeup and like having nice face creams and and I know it sounds like really silly but I do think you know focusing on the parts of yourself that please you rather than the ones that displease you is is a good tip and and being grateful for all parts of your body but again it's like yes I can see I have a nice smile and I I love my smile rather than oh, I don't have a waist. I hate the fact that I don't have a waist. Right. So it's the self-talk, you know, every day uh, that you give yourself. Um, the other thing as well, uh, I think self-care is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking after your body, so like nutrition, uh, eating healthy, meditation, exercise. Um, almost like making the best of what you have uh really um so you know if your body isn't 100 percent healthy then you want to be at the maximum of healthy that it can be so you know because i i do energy healing i have a lot of clients who have lots of different health problems like fibromyalgia ms and these kind of things so i'm going to encourage those people to have a healthy lifestyle so that they can be at the maximum you know working capacity yeah that they can that they can be so i think i think that's another thing it's like just look after yourself you know um because like definitely what you eat will affect your mind and your mental health that's that's a huge thing oh yeah um 
yeah um i suppose i mean for me um oh the, the drama definitely helped um so find something that you love and focusing on that in your life but also doing things that push you out of your comfort zone so you know i got to a point where it was like you know uh, i'm on a beach and i want to wear a bikini and again i think for me it's slightly easier because i have grown up with my body being different to everybody else's whereas for example if somebody suddenly has let's say an accident and they might become an amputee or something like that or they might lose the breast to breast cancer it's a huge blow because it's happened very suddenly and they have to then come to terms with the body being different but for me it was a process of years so you know what i mean so i have that advantage in that way of of um accepting my body a little bit easier but it, it just gets to the point where you just think, like, I want a sunbathe in a bikini on the beach. I know people are going to stare, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. Have a look. Have a look at how amazing I am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, feast your eyes on this deliciousness <laughs> that is unique. I, I always remember when I went to Australia. I got ill there. I got um really, really bad chest infection because uh, scoliosis can really affect your lung capacity. And uh, they took an x-ray of my back and uh, they came to me and they said, can we ask your permission? Could we um, show your x-rays around the canteen at lunchtime? <laughs> because we've never seen anybody with scoliosis like this before in this hospital. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, go for it. Do you know what? That made me feel like a Hollywood celebrity that did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got, you know, like, I'm special. I'm special. No one at this hospital. <laughs> I've seen someone like me. So again, it's like turning something, you know, making fun out of it, like humorous, taking something that, again, could be like really like, oh, God, you know, this is awful too. God, I'm freaking special. I am. I'm unique. <laughs> I love that you can take that, like take, just take the fact that like you're in the body you're in, you look like yeah. and use yeah. it as a teaching opportunity because I think that's something that every single one of us, like we have that ability if we choose to use it. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So you can either inspire people or not inspire your choice isn't it everybody yeah. has that potential to inspire people and uh you can either use it or not it, it's up to you really yeah. and i think if i think if i wasn't doing what i was doing it would be such a waste <laughs> you know what i mean it would be such a waste not to share my story um and like i said ultimately everything that i've been through in terms of my medical issues and my body image issues is giving me this character that i've got now which is really compassionate really understanding really empathetic and um that draws people you know what i mean that draws people to me um and it means i can help them yeah. so yeah 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 so i would love to know like how has 
sort of, you know, you being in the body you're in, having the health challenges you've had, um, like how has all of this affected your path to really like having your own business and becoming a healer? Like how, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I got into Reiki when I was 20, was I 19, 20, 20. Yeah. And, um, I, I had chronic pain. I mean, you can imagine my spine is like, it's like a, a letter S shit mm. and it's fused and you know my ribs are completely out and everything like I've got one leg one centimeter longer than the other like nothing is symmetrical on me apart from maybe my nostrils <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah so I was in chronic pain scar tissue and everything like that and again, going back to those times, like 80s, 90s, you, you wouldn't dream to have a massage. I mean, I have massages all the time now, obviously not in lockdown to help with the pain. But like, if, I, if I'd have thought about it, I should have been having massages since I was four years old, really, yeah. and, and lots of physical therapy. And uh, yeah, so I was, I was taking painkillers like daily. And part of me knew, even then, in like the mid 90s this wasn't good for me to be taking painkillers every day and back then um there wasn't that awareness around painkillers like there is now about how much damage and how addictive it can be mm -hmm. and uh but i just thought you know i've got to i've got to get off these things so i um i went to do reiki one just like a hobby really um but within three months of doing it i was like off the painkillers and I'm thinking oh my god this is amazing like this is the best I felt pain wise in years so then I obviously went and did my Reiki 2 and then I had no intention of being a Reiki teacher whatsoever uh, and people started asking me would I teach them so I was like oh yeah all right then <laughs> <laughs> so I really just fell into it you know what I mean it was not um I mean I was always into spirituality and like meditation and things like that but regarding like the actual energy healing and Reiki it just kind of happened um and like I said at the same time I was like doing like freelance work for charities like um uh, save the children and men cap and things like that and the local council doing doing drama uh like creative therapy workshops with people with different uh disabilities physical and learning disabilities so i really just chucked myself into it all i suppose and uh yeah from from then it's just kind of Grown and grown and grown. I mean, the other thing I found is uh, plant medicine. So again, that's kind of like looking at all the natural stuff that you can put into your body that helps you relax rather than turn into to you know chemistry, mm -hmm. if you like. There's so much that nature can give us that can help us, but also um, things like because uh, as you know, I do like cacao ceremonies and things like that, which mm -hmm. are going to help you uh the great nutrition helps your body relax but also sets off the bliss molecule in your brain so you just feel good you know you just feel 
really good. <laughs> like you've just had a bath in chocolate. <laughs> so again, if you've got, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling depressed, uh, if you're feeling anxious, there are things that like chocolate, raw chocolate. I mean, people can't believe this stuff um, can affect you so deeply, but it, but it can. And um, not just looking at it from like the physical three-dimensional side but the spiritual side as well so you know like um plant medicines give you emotional and spiritual healing so you can work through issues about your body that way as well and doing journaling and uh you know sometimes we have to relive um things as well to work through them and understand why we have the issues like one of the things I did I think was I used to settle for relationships that weren't really equal where I was giving more than receiving mm -hmm. and that was totally coming down to the worthiness of well I've got this body that's maybe not that attractive so I should just be grateful that somebody wants me mm. you know which is really sad when you say it out loud but yeah, and, and counselling, you know, is amazing to go and talk it through with somebody. And, um, you know, there's things that I've said this year um, in counselling that I have kept to myself for years, like locked away, you know. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm just releasing it all now and saying it all now. Like how I felt when that person screamed out the car window at me and how I felt at school when someone um started calling me names in the classroom you know it's like shame you you trap all that shame inside yourself of being uh bullied and name called and um yeah and it's finally time to flip and release it you know <laughs> don't carry it any longer I mean yeah. it's bad enough we shame ourselves never mind carrying shame from other people you know there's that that saying that says like there's, there's like so many billions of people in the world and you're going to let one person ruin your day yeah you know and the, and that person should also not be yourself either <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah i remember reading recently some i don't know where i read it um something like you know comparing guilt and shame and what the difference mm -hmm. is and it's like, yeah, guilt is feeling bad about something you did. Shame is feeling yeah. bad about who you are. And yeah, and like totally. nobody, yourself included, has the right to uh -huh. make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Yeah, totally. I mean, I had somebody, um, I remember it was actually just before I got pregnant. So this is like 15 years ago. And I was in a nightclub and I remember walking past this table and this, this guy shouted out, out at me, anorexic. Just shouted it out at me. Now, I was, uh, especially pre-baby, I was slim. I wasn't anorexic, but I was very slim. And like I said, that's partly because I have muscle, a muscle wasting disease. And, you know, like part of me wanted to turn around and go, hey! I got a muscle wasting disease. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like, I wanted to turn around and shame him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, make him feel ashamed for saying something to a, a, a disabled person. But then I thought, like, they probably, he probably wouldn't feel it anyway. Probably wouldn't feel as bad as how he just tried to make me feel anyway. 
But again, someone shouts that out to you and it's like um it 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 really feels like someone slapped you, you know? It, it's like, oh my god, like do I do I look like I'm anorexic? And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? But I definitely have my first share of those kind of experiences where um you know people have said something to me and um I'm, I'm happy to say I haven't had a bullying experience like that on my physical appearance since I was 30. 30 seems to have been the cutoff point. Now <laughs> whether it's because maybe people don't because I look older now <laughs> and they think um you know oh she looks like she'd mess back with me if I said something to her. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it's always good to have, um, to think about comebacks, you know what I mean, before, to just have that little library in there of how you would deal with that. How, how would you deal with it? Uh, I mean, bullying is a whole other uh, topic, but, you know, it, it does affect people massively, massively, mm-hmm. uh, when a complete stranger just shows something out at you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. very very like really intensifies any shameful feelings that you have about yourself yeah yeah if there was can can I you told me a story when we were talking last week yeah. I want, and I want you to tell it with the bikini on the beach oh about the list about my friend's little girl yes I, yeah yeah when you were in Spain I think yeah yeah so um, I went to visit my friend who was in Spain and her daughter at the time was six, seven. And, um, and uh, I said to her, we were going to the beach. And before we went to the beach, I said to her, now I'm going to be wearing a bikini. And I'm going to tell you now, people are going to stare at me. And she kind of looked at me because obviously she's known me for years. And I said, they will. And I don't want you to get upset about it because... I just look different and they're not used to seeing somebody who looks like me and they might just be curious. Uh, I said, and it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And I don't want you to get upset about it. And uh, yeah, and I just, I was there in the smallest bikini ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she felt comfortable. I felt comfortable. And uh, there were no obvious incidences, and she was busy playing. But that evening, <coughs> excuse me, went for a walk down the pier, and uh, I had my hair tied up because obviously it's hot. And uh, she grabbed her mum's hand and she went, "Mum, mum, that man just stared at Angela's back." And uh, you know, I could tell she was outraged. And her mum said, "Yeah, but remember what Angela said? She's fine about it. She told you it might happen." she's fine about it and she just went oh yeah yeah okay (laughs) you know and it's like it's it's just like educating children to you know I mean in one way people might think oh it's such a shame you have to point out to children that people are going to stare but it's just the reality of this world and it's just saying it was just to make her feel comfortable like I'm comfortable you know what I mean and um I just said it's fine it's gonna happen yeah I think that that I think she is so lucky like I'm just I'm just trying to you know remember back if when I was six years old somebody Mm -hmm. told me 
you know, people might, I look different. People might stare and it's okay. Don't worry. It's not a big deal. I feel like, I feel like my body image would have been so much different as, you know, a child and a teenager. Like just just having that example. And I I think like on one hand, you're right. It is a shame that we have to say it like that, that, Mm -hmm. that is your reality, but also that's how you change. That's how we change Mm -hmm. society. That's how we teach the next generation so that, you know, in another, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, kids, Mm -hmm. kids don't have to still be learning this. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing I just want to point out as well here that people are naturally curious. And also I think it's important people might think I'm absolutely mad now saying this but I also think it's important not to shame people who are curious you know um I mean I don't think it's right to walk up to someone and just say what's wrong with you (laughs) which I've had which I've had several times what's wrong with you then what's wrong with you um uh, uh, nothing's wrong with me (laughs) what's wrong with you But at the same time, you know, if someone walked down the street, and this is ha- this happens in Glastonbury, by the way, in the UK, someone walks down the street with a baby alpaca on a lead, you're going to look. Yep. <laughs> you're going to look because that's a bit unusual. So if so, you know, if someone walks down the street with like a, a mohawk, it's it's cool. It's cool. I'm going to look at it because it's like bright green and sticking out. It's cool. So if you walk down the street and you have something that is a bit unusual about you, people might just naturally look. And it doesn't mean that they're looking out of malice or they're looking out of some twisted kind of like, ooh, eh, what's wrong with that? Like, it could just be that they're naturally curious. Or do you know what? It could just be that you're actually really attractive and they want to look at you. <laughs> so I'll take that last one. <laughs> but do you see, you see what I mean though, don't you? I think we've got to get stuck. So okay, so hung up about it. Like, don't hide, don't hide yourself because you're worried about somebody looking at you. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things I think as well is I always look to like some of the European cultures that are not so hung up on the bodies. Like when we went to Iceland, and we went in a spa and they said to us, like, you've got to shower completely naked in the ladies, um, you know, in the ladies changing area. Well, this, I was also with my friend and her little girl at that time on that holiday. Mm-hmm. And we all looked at each other like, like, we're best friends, but I've never seen you completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I kind of did this funny, I actually did this funny kind of like striptease. <laughs> 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 I thought let's use like because I could see there was a little bit of like a little girl was like oh my god I've got to get naked in front of Angela and it was like come on let's use use humor and make this funny because in Iceland women aren't bothered about being naked in front of each other we are in the UK but like in other countries like Iceland Finland you know there's not this this huge thing about nudity and uh, I think there's a lot we can take on from that as well. It's like our cultural conditioning of uh, feeling uncomfortable in our own skin. Yeah. What, even if you've got perfect, you know, what people perceive as a perfect body, like you said, Katie, people still have hang-ups about it. Yeah. Um, so just like touching on what you said, like what, 
what has helped you with the confidence thing yeah is to understand those social con constructs what is what is your truth and what is the truth of society and breaking that down you know so if society tells me that i i'm i'm not a perfect size a i don't have a perfect body then i'm like bin it bin it i don't care about that yeah you know i don't care about that social conditioning because it's not my truth and it doesn't resonate with me so that's another thing to think about um is like your environment and what you take on board and what you don't and the more of us that stand up and say like that's a social construct and i don't care about it it doesn't affect me the more of us will feel happy and confident in our bodies as well yeah yeah oh i love that yeah and the more of us do it the stronger we are like we're stronger yeah. together yeah 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 oh this has been awesome this is uh, been, you know we've been talking for almost an hour <laughs> oh i can talk for england oh <laughs> So, um, Angela, if listeners want to find out more about you, get in touch with you or learn about yeah. your work, um, what is yes. the best place for them to do so? Um, my, well, I have a website, which is dearheartwoman.com. So that's dear as in D-E-E-R. -E and uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as dearheartwoman. So, you know, they can always pop over there. Um, obviously, I cover all bases with the spiritual work and stuff but i am an advocate of uh you know body you know loving yourself body image um like i said i'm trying to move away from this word disability uh, because like i said when i got labeled with that at 16 i was like yeah what i'm disabled oh i don't <laughs> like that um and i'm <laughs> i'm trying to move towards the word livability you know like how how much ability have you got to live that's what matters so livability and lovability are my two new words now instead of disability love it so yeah <laughs> i'm an advocate of livability and lovability on there so if any of that resonates with people then they can follow my page and uh, i'm probably more active on instagram out of everything so yeah if they want to catch me on there that that would be cool Okay. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes so they can just Thank click on you. through. And um, yeah. I, I can definitely vouch. You are like the Instagram story queen. Seriously. Oh. <laughs> like, like that's like my goal. <laughs> Do you know, yesterday I only did two stories all day. <gasps> I know. I know. That's like the first time in probably, I don't know, nine months that I've hardly put any stories on and I've not done one yet today so I'm going to have to really impress you now today. Ah. <laughs> yeah I will uh yeah I I love I love doing the story because again that's the creative therapy like use your stories uh, and this goes to people not just for businesses on Instagram but just people you know just people if people are looking at your stories use them to inspire use them to heal and use them to educate yeah like just have beauty in your life have beautiful posts and beautiful stories and uplift people make them feel good about themselves yeah i love it i love it all right beautiful we're gonna end there thank, thank you, you so much for coming on yeah very welcome thanks for having me
Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get a hold of Angela, find out more about her work, or just have a conversation, she is always up for a good chat. Um, the links to her website and her social media are in the show notes. Also, if you would like to be part of the Self Love Simplified Facebook community, come on over and join us. The link is there for you as well. Have a beautiful day.